0: That I just don't, it just doesn't jibe with the idea of a morning zoo. Where's the craziness? Where's the Mike
1: and the Mad Dog? Where's Consuela and the Cheetah? I'm Audie Cornish. Join us for a peek behind the scenes with 50 and Forward, an anniversary celebration of NPR. Wednesday night at 7 on Radio Catskill. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees, located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York, twoqueenscoffee.com, and from listener donations at wjffradio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theatre, an updated vintage movie theatre with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Thelenburg,
2: with today's guest, Guy Brewster-Smith. Brewster is a musician and co-owner of Rafters Tavern in Calicoon, New York. Since we've been in one version or another of lockdown for over 100 days, I'm very interested in finding out what people do who somehow find a way through these economically and emotionally stressful times. Brewster is one of those people. So you may ask yourself, what do owners of a tavern do when they can't let anyone in for food, drinks, or music? Well, you're about to find out. But first, before we get into those solutions, we're gonna find out a little bit about Brewster himself. Brewster, welcome to Catskill Character.
0: Hi, Donna. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it.
2: So, you know, all musicians have some kind of story about their musical upbringing. Please tell the listeners
0: yours. Sure. Well, I started playing drums when I was six. Uh, That was usually on garbage cans and pots and pans using chopsticks. And uh, my, my father, who is uh, also a musician, a saxophone player, uh, noticed my interest in drums. And so he bought me my first kit when I was 11. And uh, from that point, his own band was a wedding band. And his drummer taught me my first beats. And I replaced him in that band when I was 12. So from the time wow. I was 12, yeah, pretty early on. I played in that band until I was uh, about 30.
2: Wow. What was the name of your dad's band?
0: It was actually, they settled on the name The Good Time Review, uh, but early on it was called Toad Hall.
2: Ooh, Toad Hall.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a cooler (laughs) name, actually. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah, definitely. But it's not real wedding-ish. It's
0: It's not. The Good Time Review is better.
2: But, I, I mean, I think it's pretty incredible that you played in your dad's wedding band for 18 years. What was it like gigging with your father?
0: It was an incredible experience, actually, um, because I was treated as an equal. I mean, I remember uh, when I, how nervous I was playing the first gig, and they had to go outfit me with a tuxedo. <laughs> and so I was this little kid wearing a tuxedo, and everybody else in the band uh, was in their 40s. And... Um, I would just kind of hide behind the drum set and hope that nobody noticed that I was a little kid. Um, but they treated me as an, as an equal. I mean, he never – I wasn't coddled in any way. I mean, it was still a job. Mm. And uh, when you're in a wedding band, you are playing music for a couple who this is one of the most important days of their life. Right. And they're they're going to remember this. So it's no it's no small affair and I always took it seriously from the time I was 12 until I was 30.
2: Was your dad doing anything else besides being a, you know, a musician? Did he have any other line of work, like a day job as they say?
0: He did. Uh, he worked for 20 years for Exxon Research and uh I don't know exactly what he 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 was president of the union for 1 year. I don't remember exactly what he did at Exxon research but i know that he snuck me in to his offices one day in the back seat of the car covered by a blanket so that i could play an early computer game uh, this was before uh computer games uh, reached the popularity that they have now and so i played on his computer there that was kind of an adventure but they divorced yeah. when i was 8
2: oh okay So did you live with your mom primarily?
0: I did. I lived with my mother, and I would visit my father. Uh, I I saw him at gigs, of course. He'd come pick me up for that, but if there weren't any gigs pending, I saw him perhaps every other weekend.
2: Where did you grow up?
0: I grew up in Atlantic Islands, New Jersey, Yeah, near Sandy Hook, a beautiful little town and um, lots of sailboats, and it was a great place to grow up, actually.
2: That is a great place. I'm from down the shore myself, so I spent a lot of time there. I have a very special place in my heart for the Highlands. Mm -hmm. Um, You told me that your dad lives in Thailand now.
0: He does. In fact, when Molly and I were planning on getting married, uh, he wanted to go to Thailand in advance of that, but I convinced him actually to wait a few months so that – He would be there for our wedding, and then he was on the same plane with us to go to Thailand, and he stayed. Uh, He just turned 79 this month, actually, and he's been loving living in Thailand, and he's got a very rich musical life there in which he plays with multiple bands, probably more bands than he did in the States. He he plays uh, probably a couple times a week. Wow,
2: that's fantastic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's having a great time.
2: So I, I guess one could surmise that he has a bit of a wanderer in him. Are you anything like that?
0: I became a wanderer later. I, I, for some reason, you know, people make little rules for themselves. And I had made a rule for myself that I wasn't going to leave the continental United States unless it was for musical purposes. And uh, the very first time I, I left the continental United States was um, to go to England to do a musical tour there. And I loved it so much, and got the travel bug. So since then, uh, Molly and I, up until recently, actually, um, always traveled to a new location once a year with Habitat for Humanity, where we would go to another country and build a house for someone, and that was our vacation. I think we we've didn't done that about eight, about eight or nine <laughs> times. I know. Yeah, I know. I forgot to mention. It. Yeah, that's fantastic.
2: Yeah, that's. I love that. When you stopped playing in the wedding band at 30, had you been doing anything else? Did you have a day job as well?
0: Uh, well, I had a, you know, through the years, I've had a, a number of different jobs, as I guess many musicians do. I finally settled on two major jobs. Uh, the first was I was the president of a string of doggy daycares in, in Manhattan. Um, mm mm-hmm about about six stores, I guess. Um, and I did that for 15 years. And uh, through my experiences working with animals, I moved to my next career, which I've been doing for over a decade, and that is uh, coaching people in leadership and communication and uh, in philosophies about how to better their lives.
2: Do you have your own philosophy of life?
0: I do. It's actually very simple. Um, a lot of coaches do a lot of work with uh, branding, whether it 's you're branding a company or doing personal branding, and when you do a lot of soul searching um, and i 've done it all on myself as well, uh, I came up with one phrase that I use as my North star in order to lead me where I need to go, and that is that there is nothing more important than quality of life that that actually makes all my decisions for me because sometimes I'm talking about my quality of life, but the vast majority of the time I'm thinking of the quality of life of others.
2: Yeah, I get that because I know when we spoke earlier and you were talking about when you were you and Molly had decided to open up a tavern in Calicoon, New York, There were things that you wanted for the musicians that was very important to you. So you were thinking about the the musicians, about the community. You wanted to have a place where the community could come and really enjoy themselves. But you wanted to have a place where the musicians felt welcome and special.
0: Absolutely. That was very important to me. So what were
2: some of those things that you had to have for the musicians? Having your own experience as a musician, I'm sure you know. What's missing a lot of times?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, when it comes to original music, uh, I spent a lot of years in Manhattan playing original music and doing the club scene. And, uh, when you're doing original music in Manhattan, the set is 45 minutes long. Uh, there's probably seven or eight bands on that night. You usually go on late and there's little or no pay at all. Mm. Uh, the the return you get is hopefully making fans uh but it's it's very hard to do and it's very hard to to come out ahead uh especially if money is your focus um so what i wanted to create here was a place where music was not an afterthought it seemed Like a lot of the places that I visited outside of Manhattan that weren't specific music venues, they were a bar or a restaurant, and then they decided to put music in later. And so there was no proper stage. There was no back line. There was no drum set. There was no stage lighting, any of those things. So uh, we were going to create a place where... There was a proper stage and great lighting, and they would be properly introduced. The other thing is uh, many bands are used to playing, and it's not a bad thing, but they're used to playing for about three to four hours. And uh, I didn't think that was a proper concert. You know, I thought that was background music. So instead, I figured a proper concert was two hours long. So uh, all our musicians play for two hours, and they are properly introduced from the stage uh, by me, and there's a big round of applause, and they're treated with respect.
2: Oh, that's so fantastic. And and what you said about your philosophy about quality of life, that doesn't always have anything to do with money, does it?
0: Uh, no, actually, especially these days. It's so hard <laughs> to come by. Um, Molly and I have probably gotten ourselves into trouble with this in the past, but money has always uh, been an afterthought. My philosophy, when somebody comes in the door, is I have that period of time in order to influence their life uh, for the better and uh, that's also coming from my stepfather who was a captain in the Navy, James E. Leaper. He once told me uh, when visiting uh, relatives or friends, leave their place in as good or better condition than you found it and so Mm -hmm. I, I chose to use that as far as people go. And to leave them in as good or better condition than I found them. So I have a small period of time to influence their lives while they're here with me, and I want them to leave with a with a a specific emotion, whether that's joy or uh, warmth, you know, friendship. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's you know, no wonder people uh, like going to rafters because it. It's, it's like you contain all of that there. And you were doing really well before COVID-19 hit. So we'll talk a bit about that. I think we'll take a break here, Brewster, and then we'll come right back. Is that okay?
0: That's fine with me.
2: Okay. This is Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. And my guest today is musician Brewster Smith. We'll take a short break and come back. And find out how Brewster is kicking COVID-19 right in the butt. Stay tuned. WJFF is your community radio station in whatever community you happen to be. Thanks to the WJFF mobile app. Available for your Apple or Android device, the WJFF app lets you hear your favorite Catskill station anywhere in the world, from Monticello to Monte Carlo, from Honesdale to Honolulu, or just from your doorstep to downtown. Get the WJFF app from Google Play or the Apple App Store. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm Donna Fellenberg. And if you've just joined us, my guest today is musician and co-owner of Rafters Tavern in Calicoon, New York, Brewster Smith. In the first half of the show, Brewster told us about his life as a musician, playing the drums in his father's wedding band for 18 years, and how he and his wife, Molly Denver, came up to Calicoon on an adventure and ended up buying a farm where they now live. In fact, I don't know if he actually told us that in the first half of the show, but he told me that. So I'm telling you that. One and a half years ago, they opened a tavern that was designed with the needs of musicians in mind. And it was designed with the needs of the musicians that Brewster hoped would play there. And indeed, they have. Then COVID-19 happened. In the second half of the show, we'll hear more about Brewster and how he and his partners, his wife, Molly Denver, and his best friend, Keith Thompson, continue to work to provide a place for the community to listen safely to music, enjoy a good meal, and see each other. Here's more of my conversation with Brewster Smith. Brewster, how can anyone not like a guy who sings these lyrics? If you're tired of eating possum, Rafter's Tavern food is awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we like to yeah, we like to have fun, and uh, you know, uh, Molly's a really good sport. And when I come up with these uh, harebrained schemed uh, schemes, she supports me 100%. And uh, my best friend Keith is. Uh, always ready to to help with these things and come up with ideas of his own. So, um, Yeah, we actually would like to in the future create a a series of uh, one-minute commercials uh, Uh that are are all humor-based and uh, see if we can uh, make people laugh doing that.
2: Well, I thought it was so clever because you did all of these little promos for Rafters, but you did it in character of different people. So I think one of them was Dylan, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Another one was REM, I think.
2: Yes. Uh Then I
0: did a heavy metal guy at the end.
2: Yeah, that was really funny. So people can see that on uh, YouTube, right?
0: Yeah, they can see it on YouTube. I uh, I think we posted it on our website. You can see it on Instagram, and you can see it on Facebook.
2: So things were going really well, and then... The music died. Do you remember the date?
0: I believe it was March 9th.
2: Yeah, I think that was the last date I was actually in at the radio station, March 9th. That was a bad day for us all.
0: Yeah, we were, uh, you know, I was afraid that it was coming. I mean, I kind of foresaw it uh, coming a little bit. You know, Molly and I were in the city, and uh, when I heard that COVID was still in China, uh, I asked Molly uh, who's an architect uh, that as soon as there's one case reported in New York city that we should leave. Mm. And uh, so we actually left uh, a week before every, everybody was made to leave anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, so you and Molly um, go back and forth between New York and Calicoon.
0: Well, we did actually, uh, we've been coming up for the last 10 years uh every weekend, every chance we get, and after we bought the business, uh, I was commuting, actually, driving up and back to go back to the city, and um, Molly's architectural firm was in Midtown, Manhattan, but uh, she has since gotten permission, as everybody else has, to work remotely from home, so mm-hmm. we haven't been back since, uh, since before March 9th.
2: Yeah. How long did it take you and Molly and Keith to start looking for solutions?
0: Well, we started thinking right away. I mean, I knew that this was going to be bad, and I wanted to be optimistic about it, so I thought um, there's a chance that things are not going to be the same going forward, so uh, it would be good if we re- reimagined what this, what the service industry was going to look like, if it was going to remain successful. Um, so we, we gave a lot of thought to that, bounced ideas uh, around each other, and it It hasn't been hasn't been easy, I think we've been a little bit more cautious than than some, but we've wanted to cover all the bases uh to keep everybody safe.
2: Well, I think that's wise. I would much rather go to a place that has that as their prime thought than you know I got to get as much many people in here as possible, so I salute you
0: uh, well, thank you well, you know it can be tough though because they're there are people who would like things to go back to normal and yeah. uh and it's a it's a, a balance between taking care of everybody in mass and you know you don't want to police people necessarily and you mm-hmm. don't want them to feel uncomfortable but you do want them to be thinking about others luckily uh in large part everyone has been very conscientious and uh we've been uh building Building our base back.
2: Well, tell me about hanging from the rafters.
0: Hanging from the rafters is a, a show idea that I actually had before we ever opened the doors. Um, it's oh, just Oh, I yeah, thought it
2: was a, as a result of COVID.
0: Well, I only I only got around to it as a result mm-hmm. of COVID. Um, yeah, I had the idea because I always loved that show. Uh, wait, wait, don't tell me. And mm-hmm. I it was. There's always so much laughter and it's in front of a live audience. And although that one is uh, news and uh, politics based, I thought uh, it would be great to come up with a show that was more music based. And uh, so I always wanted to do that. But the restaurant tavern business uh, takes a lot of your time. So I never never really got around to it until COVID and that was a way for people to – be able to see some of their favorite musicians, perhaps get to know them better because I don't necessarily ask uh, the s- same kinds of questions you might you might get. Um, I don't ask as much about uh, what their influences are or anything like that or what their mm-hmm. songwriting process is. I, I want to get down into uh, who they are as people. Um, and I also wanted to make sure that Raptor's Tavern was in the minds of people that we that we were not forgotten. Yeah, because uh, yeah, we had been voted only last year uh, best live music venue um, in two thousand twenty, and uh, so we were going to be <laughs> this year was going to be great oh. right up until, uh, right up until COVID. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, what have you done uh, with the tavern itself? I know you're not serving people inside, but what did you do to bring people back?
0: Well, we had a a back area, which was a parking lot previously. So we brought in gravel to remake the borders, remake the area. Molly designed a large pergola, which we built together and then sectioned off in between with plastic. So there are three or four tables that you can sit at under the pergola, which has a nice uh, grapevine uh, growing over the top and and lights, and uh, you're separated by plastic, so it's a safer situation. I also didn't want to take advantage of the large space to fit as many tables as I could, so there are four uh, tables, uh, actually five tables, apart from the pergola, where people can sit and they are... Certainly, well more than six feet uh, separated. They're probably more like uh, 10, 12 feet separated. And we just made it a nice wide open space. We strung lights overhead. We built a stage back there, in fact. And that stage is long so that performers can be six feet apart at least. And our microphones have disposable mic covers on them. So every time somebody uses it, they take the cover off and they throw it in the garbage and replace with a new one. And, uh, we have strict rules that masks must be worn unless seated. And once you're seated, of course, you need to take the mask off to eat and drink. But if you have to get up to walk around, then you have to put the mask back on. And, uh, 99.9% of the people are, are really good about that. And, uh, some of the ones who might be less so, um, I think they just forget because, uh, you're just having a good time you know and you're hearing mm. the music and all that and it it lulls you into thinking things are the way they used to be <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah
2: there's no easy way around that because that's human nature so i guess you can just gently remind people and you haven't had any problems with that from what i understand
0: well we haven't had we haven't had any real Problems? Um, you know, I'm running around a lot, uh, so I'm not, I'm not back there all the time, and when occasionally uh, there's somebody who might not be following the rules as strictly as we like, uh, people are very vocal about that. They'll, they'll send me an email or send me a note and let me know, and then I'm able to handle it in the way that I think is most appropriate. I, I don't wish to chastise anyone. I only want to remind them that we're all a family. We're all a mm-hmm. family here. And uh, and we're we're just here to take care of each other. And they usually respond well to that.
2: Yeah, that's the last thing that you want. You don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And it sounds like you've put so much thought, as usual, into the safety of your customers and the safety of your musicians. So before we go... Do you have any words of wisdom for people who are feeling overwhelmed and frightened? Because you've had to deal with this in in a very public way.
0: I do. And uh, this actually comes from my coaching days. It's the same thing as when people have stage fright. You know, when people have stage fright, it's an emotional reaction, it's anxiety. So, you know, your breathing becomes more shallow and uh and you, you just feel tense and uh so it's the same reaction as when you when you're stressed out about your situation or depressed i find that there are two real gr- good keys to getting beyond this one is breathing it sounds uh kind of silly perhaps but breathing no, not at all yeah i mean people who do yoga or or things like that, they know that there is an art to breathing. What breathing does, Mm -hmm. if you take a nice deep breath, is it unlocks the emotion that you have and makes room to replace it with another, perhaps one of your Mm -hmm. own choosing, like joy, if you can do that. Um, The other thing is usually depression um, is inside your head, right? And so people retreat into their heads and they start – Going in circles, thinking about how bad things are the the best thing to do there is to get out of your head, to focus on something outside of yourself. and I find that the most useful thing to do is to focus on others. You know what can I do for you today? what can i what can I do to to help It's to get out of your own head. That's my advice,
2: and I think that's very sound advice. Thank you so much, Brewster, for joining me today. I've really, I really had a ball hearing about your journey. So I, all I can say is stay safe, keep on keeping on.
0: Well, thank you very much, Donna. I really appreciate that. And, and you stay safe as well.
2: I will. Thank you. You have been listening to Catskill Character on WJFF Radio Catskill. My guest has been musician Brewster Smith. The website for Rafters Tavern is rafterstavern.com and Hanging from the Rafters is on YouTube on the Rafters Tavern YouTube channel. Catskill Character is on every Saturday morning at 1130 right after Farming Country. The fourth Saturday of the month, tune in to hear Greg Triggs on Laughing with Triggs. Formerly Travels with Triggs but at the moment he ain't going nowhere. This is WJFF Radio Catskill. I'm Donna Fellenberg, host of Catskill Character, and I'm so happy to be back with you. Thanks for listening.
1: Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theatre. An updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for WJFF comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. Twoqueenscoffee.com. And from listener donations at wjffradio.org. WJFF Radio Catskills
2: keeping you connected with national news, community interviews, and your favorite local shows.
0: On last week's Wait, Wait, Luke Burbank analyzed Vladimir Putin's body language at his summit with President Biden. He looked like a kid who was waiting to talk to the principal but thought it was total BS that he had to be there. I'm Peter Sagal, we expect you to be sitting up straight with a welcoming smile when you listen to this week's show with special guest T-Pain. Join us for Wait, Wait from NPR.
2: Sunday morning at 10 on Radio Catskill.
0: WJFF Jeffersonville, Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania.
1: Support comes from the Homestead School, Montessori Education, preschool through early college, with campuses in Glens Bay and Hurleyville, building the intelligence, creativity, connection, and skills for an ecological future since 1978. Homesteadschool.com From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com And from listener donations at wjffradio.org
0: Support for Radio Catskill comes from the NeverSink General Store, featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products, and catering, now offering takeout. NeverSinkGeneralStore.com And from listeners like